and we are live once again. Everybody knows every Tuesday at 8, it's another edition of the MCW cast. I'm Legacy, MCW Pro Ring Announcer, Larry Legend. I'm MCW Pro Wrestling Promoter, Dan McDevitt. And I'm Tara. And we are just pleased as punch. Once again, here we are. We're almost at double digits for the MCW cast. This endeavor has been uh, just so fulfilling to all of us. And I understand that a lot of our, our people out there, our fans, are really being fulfilled every Tuesday at 8 when we, we present another edition of this great podcast. Mm-hmm. Here we are, episode number 9. My favorite part about the interaction that I'm seeing among the fans when we, when we uh, put this out live is our fans that would sit and talk to each other in, this, in the seats when we are doing live shows, are now interacting with each other on social media and reminiscing about favorite matches and things like that. And I just want you to know, I've been taking notes. So when you mention things like, oh, I'd love to see so-and-so in MCW, I've got a notebook here and I'm putting them all in and we are listening. So I just want to say keep up the chatting because we really do appreciate it and we love that interaction. And not only the chatting, keep liking, yeah, keep subscribing, keep sharing this out. I see... Every week when we go to commercial, I, I check the chat, and I see all of the activity in both the YouTube and, and the uh, Facebook, so come on, keep it up, and, and share it out to everybody that's watching along with you. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you share the feed on Facebook, tweet it out on uh, YouTube, and are we running on Periscope now? Yes, for the rest of the month, right? For the rest yeah. of the month, as yeah. long as Periscope's okay. up. Yeah. yeah. And... and well, God damn, Obviously, sorry. the audio version drops in mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, um, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and uh, SoundCloud. Yeah, you got them all, almost all memorized. Radio Public point. and CastBox, too. Yes, absolutely. And yep. guys, don't forget about showing us a little love on our personal Twitters. I'm, I'm uh, at BLK, LKP on Twitter. And I'm at Danny McDevitt. I'm at MCW Tara. Yeah, so interact with us. Uh, you know, tweet us, uh, like, uh, as we lead to the next episode. All week long, we're putting out different quick clips and media for you to uh, digest leading up to the next episode. So, interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Last week's episode was great with uh, MCW Women's Champion, Gia Scott. Absolutely, yeah. Such a bubbly, bright energy that was uh, in the cast room in our, our studio. Uh, and she had a lot of great insight into, you know, how she got involved and Making that big step to drop, you know, a significant amount of money when you're 16 or 18 years old to to train to be a wrestler, and now she's the MCW Women's Pro Champ. She's got a she's got a bright future. Indeed, yeah, yeah. definitely. She got she's very young in the business and uh, excelling already. So she's got her whole career and whole life ahead of her. Indeed. So thank you, Gia, for joining us. And guys, that and girls, that uh, episode is available for you to watch again on YouTube. And even when it's not live on Tuesdays, continue to share it out, continue to like it, continue to post comments, because we go back to the archives and we look to see if there's anything that we missed, uh, if there are any follow-up questions. You know, we have direct contact with all of our guests, so we can uh, bridge that gap for you if you missed the episode live. Absolutely. How was the, the coffee club, Tara? Yeah, I want to uh, thank one of our newest uh, subscribers. We have... Uh Mike, who says, long-time listener, first-time caller, and that is a throwback to our, uh, to long time ago, a radio show that I was associated with, um, and, and uh, Wrestle Talk America with the Devious Doc. We used to get a lot of our callers would call in and say that exact same thing, 
And uh, he just said, thanks for doing all that you do. So we want to thank you, Mike, for your support. You have been a longtime fan and close personal friend of mine for 20 years. So like, more than 20 years, maybe. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, absolutely. We, we love that kind of support. And we love um, our fans who are buying us coffee and supporting us in other ways, buying the gear, the merchandise. So thank you for all of that. Thank you. Yeah, indeed. Thank you from all of us. And uh, also, if they're on YouTube, don't forget, Flashback Friday matches ah, released every week. That's right. We had one featuring Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett's uh, man tag that was featured last Friday. So make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel um, to get all the past content that we're releasing. Um, as we uh, kind of head towards possibly being able to come back pretty soon. There was a significant announcement uh, last, uh, well, just, I'm not sure. In the last last week or Friday. So. Last yeah, Friday, Friday, yeah. Yeah. Hogan. yeah, and this is one that um, my social media and was blowing up after it um, from fans from here in Joppa that down in Southern Maryland at our Hollywood and saying, is this mean that it's finally time for MCW to come back? And the, the answer to that question is that was, that was hurdle one. Um, the second hurdle is the Maryland State Athletic Commission, who sanctions professional wrestling, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, and pretty much any contact sport, um, now has to develop a plan with the Department of Health to basically protect the talent in the ring um, or to have a plan. So the good thing is this is um, forces them to now kind of make that plan. They, they didn't seem like they wanted to move on it, while, which kind of made sense. Um, in speaking with them the last year, they just weren't going to make a decision because they felt, what's the point if you can't have large capacity events? Okay. So now that right. the governor has said, okay, 50% capacity, what's, um, what's good, and we can operate at 50% capacity, in all of our venues and make it worthwhile and do shows. But we just need the Maryland State Athletic Commission to now make their decision and give us an outline. So the answer is, yes, this is a big step in us coming back, but we don't have a date yet. A lot of people are hitting me up and saying, when, when's the show? Are you guys going to announce a show date soon? And um, I think an announcement may be coming you know, sooner rather than later, but it, this puts us in that direction. So essentially, Hogan did the three punches. This yeah. was like the three punches. We're waiting for the big boot next. Yeah. You know, fire yeah. up for the big boot. To be fair, though, Dan, you were definitely teasing this news. So well, when I you were talking about your social media. No, I, I did. I did. I did. And I, I don't blame you. I think that's great. It, look, it's been a year, man. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm done. I, I mean, I'm tired. Yeah, we're chomping um, at the bit. You know, I've been a wrestling promoter for 25 years. We averaged. The last couple of years, we were averaging probably 20, 25 shows a year, mm -hmm. running in Maryland, mm -hmm. running in Delaware, um, running in Virginia. So, you know, this is what we do. And so all of a sudden, to have yeah. to hit the brakes for a year, um, I'm edgy. Our fans are edgy. Right. They, yeah. want, they, they want live We've been successfully so. training with no incidents since June 24th. So we've shown, you know, there is substantial amount of time between when we were able to reopen as a training center and to have this giant gap in between is really frustrating because we've demonstrated we can safely perform these actions. But, right, and, and that's, you know, that's where I, I'm, yeah. it's a little frustrating kind of not being able to schedule a date as I talk with the commission and I explain that, like, hey, we've been operating again under the guidelines since June. We haven't had any infections. 
We haven't had any, you know, we've been really safe. So, you know, like we can do this. Right. Like there's no, in other words, I, I just, I, and I don't think, I think the commission's after a year ready to get back. So I don't think, but it's a little frustrating that like, I don't want it to be another four or five months for them to now come up with a plan. But I, I really don't think it is. I, I really feel positive that I think maybe within the next month or so, we'll be able to have some type of announcement. I mean, this is probably the only time in your history of promoting that you've been like, here, take my money to the athletic commission. Please, please. we want to give you our money. I want to give you 10% of the gate. Like, please please. don't take it. Just let us do a show again. And our fans are, you know, our fans are, our fans are ready. The performers, the guys and girls are way more than ready. They're ready to perform again. They've, um, you know, everyone is, it's been a year. It's, time for Indeed us. it is. And what we're discussing in this is logistics and that leads right into our guest yeah, for yeah. episode nine. Someone that's all about the logistics, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And it's a, a good crossover talking about politics um, here. Uh, I'm really excited about the guests. Uh, our, our, my good friend John Minidakis was able to put this together. Um, and I've been a fan of her for a while because as a promoter, uh, for the last 25 years, um, I've been completely blown away about how she burst into this onto the scene in politics, mm-hmm. um, you know, through many of the ways that guys and girls end up getting jobs and going from an independent wrestler to being hired by the mm-hmm. WWE. They do that um, by marketing themselves and becoming yeah. marketable. Um, Leo Rush is a great example yeah. of that. Yeah, our guy yeah. Leo exactly. Rush. Yep. You know, WWE traveled the world. He was just on mm-hmm. MTV. Was one of our kids. He was the master. I think you know. I still is. He just announced Leo Mania. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever that is. <laughs> he so, really uh, did uh, kind of set the the tone there and and paved yeah, the way for and for just great. getting people to emotionally connect with you, and then um, marketing yourself and and becoming known. So. Um, I'm very excited after the break to bring on um, Kimberly Klasik. Talk about politics and pro wrestling. So I'm excited to um, to get this show going. All right. Well, we will hear from our special guest um, after we take a break for uh, these quick commercials. So stay tuned. And we are back with Episode 9 special guest. House of Representatives, Congressional 7th District uh, candidate, Kim Clasic. Kim, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I have to say, you are probably our most high-profile guest uh, <laughs> that we've had in our infancy here at the MCW cast. So I, I know that we're going to get a lot of attention by having uh, someone that's involved in politics, not pro wrestling, our first uh, guest on the cast in that nature. Well, I appreciate that. I don't believe it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, well, I mean... <laughs> We'll see. (laughs) It's probably going to be a little bit different than, I guess, most of the appearances you've been making. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were talking before, you've never really been a fan of professional wrestling, huh? So what's interesting about that is uh, I I once tweeted out about wrestling, and I have no idea what I was talking about at the time. And somebody at Barstool responded to me. And I was like, well, I don't understand. You know, isn't it fake? I said something like that. And they were like, do you watch the Kardashians? I was like, yeah. He goes, isn't that fake? (laughs) <laughs> like, we well, got a point there. You got a point. So, yeah. you know, he said, no, it's the same thing. You know, it's like you might know what's going to happen, but it's it's entertainment and, and we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing with professional wrestling. And that's why I think, um, you know, like professional wrestling and politics are so much like a thing with professional wrestling. 
or people that say don't like it and are always like, oh, that stuff is so fake. Like, they don't get it. Like, wrestling fans, what people don't understand is, like, res- wrestling fans get what wrestling is. It's not like they're a bunch of Neanderthals. Right. You know, that um just don't, that, oh, no, it's real. Like, it's it's kind of like wrestling fans are in on it. Um, I'm, I've been doing it all my life. I mean, you know, when you're younger, eight years old, but, but wrestling fans get what wrestling is. Um, there's a Jeff Jarrett, this wrestler had a saying that was always good. It was, it was, um, you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what it it is. Yeah. If you want, if you understand it, no explanation. Yeah. What it, go ahead. Go ahead. For those that believe no explanation is needed for those that don't believe no explanation will do. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's basically. Yeah, I've said that several times when I've gotten into a back and forth where I engage someone who was like, "Well, isn't it fake?" And I'm like, "Well, isn't the Terminator one of the greatest movies that's Mm -hmm. ever come out? Did you did you stand up out of the movie theater like there are no such things as robots and lasers (laughs) and time travel? I can't believe this hogwash." Yeah, the answer is typically no. So why is it uh, that with our form of entertainment, there's so much? uh, "Ah, I'm going to call this out. Right, um, right. I think we know it's because of the history. At one point, it actually was in the papers as a, a sport right. right next to football and baseball. And and then there was that scandal where the results to the wrestling match were published in the paper before the event actually happened. Right. And everyone's like, wait a minute, this event's happening tomorrow. You know, yeah. so. Right. So, well, so, the thing is, you could be the best wrestler in the entire world, but if you can't get the public to care about you, it either hate you or love you, you're, you, you're not going to go anywhere. So, you know, it, it, there's such a huge part of, like, the character development and, you know, just getting people to care, which is very similar in politics, like getting people to care about what you care about. Yeah, no, that's exactly how it goes, right? right? Either they hate me or they love me. And, you know, there's no in-between, kind of like what we saw with President Trump. So right. you're and, absolutely right. And either way, but you're in, you're invoking a reaction out of them. And there's in wrestling as a promoter, um, and when I'm we're teaching um, guys and girls to kind of to this industry, and they go out there and performing. The worst thing that can happen to a wrestler is they go out and the people are sitting on their hands and they don't react to them. Like that's the worst thing. And what I always say: don't don't if you're trying to get them to like you and they boo you, don't worry about that. If you're getting them to react, that's all that matters because it's the, when you can't get them to react, that's the problem. And you have a thousand people sitting in a building and you could hear a pin drop because they don't care. Like they don't care enough to boo you. They don't care enough to cheer you. They're just looking at you like, when are you going to be done? You yeah. Know? So. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, with my first campaign ad, you know, it, it went viral, thankfully. We obviously had no idea walking down the streets of Baltimore would be big news. But there were so many people that were upset that the fact that we were kind of calling it out and showcasing it, that they were reposting it everywhere. And that's how it went viral. Right. Because so many people were upset and saying, oh, look what this girl is saying. And so they're reposting it. Um, and then somehow we hit over 80 million views, you know, because, because of those that were not happy with it. And, and that's what, it, that was like one of the first things I wanted to bring up. Cause that's what made me, again, I've been a promoter for, um, you know, 20 some years and that's what, like, that's what I caught wind of that. And then I was like, Oh, this girl's from Baltimore. And I had remembered, I had kind of seen you a little bit that happened. I guess it was a year or so prior you were doing, you were showing like trash in this trash in the streets of Baltimore or something, right? Yeah, yeah, that was back in uh, July 2019. 
Um, I had my camera out. I was walking through West Baltimore and somebody that lived there actually pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, maybe you can post this on your Twitter page because DPW hasn't picked anything up here. And it, at that point, the trash had been sitting there since December uh, of 2018. And it was just piling up behind these abandoned houses. And they were talking about the rat infestation that was now, you know, encroaching on their homes. And so I said, okay, I, I could post it. Uh, for a week, I was posting it and copying uh, then Congressman Cummings. Uh, Brandon Scott was the council president at the time. And then it was Mayor Jack Young. And so this went on for a week. They never responded. And then finally Fox News called and said, can you come in and explain where the heck you are? <laughs> and so I did. And then we all know President Trump watches Fox and Friends religiously at this point. And then he saw it. And then and he, he started right? yeah, calling it out because he knew at that time how much money had been sent to West Baltimore mm -hmm. in the previous year. So there was just no excuse for it. Yeah, I, I, saw, I read something like, didn't like 10 million viewers uh, watch after he tweeted that out or something like that. That got a lot of traffic and a lot of attention your way. Where yeah. were you at at that point though? Like when you were doing that, were you were you in the, were you in in the news business like when you were doing that? When you when you just sent those videos out, someone said yeah, so this is the interesting part. I, I was doing a political analysis, I guess you can say on One America and Fox News since about 2015 at that point, even on okay. the Roland Martin show. Um, and so at this point, I was actually supposed to be doing nothing. I was told to lay low for two weeks because I was just hired as the deputy press secretary of Dr. Ben Carson. So I was laying low, <laughs> you know, just kind of hanging out, doing whatever. I thought, oh, I'll go post videos on YouTube. I've got nothing to do. I you know, got right. a good job coming up. And so I did that. And then when it took off, you know, I got calls from HUD immediately. They're like, dude, what are you doing? We told you not to do anything. Yeah. yeah, and so believe it or not, I was actually cut from that position because of what happened. Oh, really? Yeah, so that was, like yeah. you got too much attention. It was too much attention, and Dr. Carson said it was just, it would be too much. But even though I thought this is a great time for HUD to step in and say, hey, what right. is going on in Baltimore? But I guess... They didn't want to too go that fire. direction. Yeah, yeah you know, you you know that fire. happens in wrestling too. You get yeah. guys and girls that kind of go into business for themselves and they put things out there, which may be 100% true and factual, but the promotion that they may be working for or potentially working for in the future wants no parts of it. Um, people have been released over um, statements that they've made or slanderous statements that they made 10 years prior in some cases. You know, Or people so, putting out like their, you know, we they get heat for they're they're getting hot and they're a girl and they put something out about like their boyfriend and then the WWE's you know a lot of times like they don't want that personal relationships out like if we're we're marketing you as a you know as a you as can't a be thing. posting like your happy couple pictures yeah, your happy you know couple like you're this big were, heel and you're supposed to hate it you know yeah. you can't be like the happy homemaker at the same time but yeah it's there's repercussions for that you know and and you think that you can say things but there may be a side effect that, from that's it. neat yeah. though i didn't know that so i didn't know you had a position and then so but yeah. then after that um i guess yeah then was that when you kind of decided you were going to get into politics well no i mean it was so crazy because everyone was pissed again that i had posted the trash and i'm like look you know the residents in the neighborhood asked me to do it and so i actually went back to the neighborhood and michelle and maurice the two people that pulled me aside they then did a video saying, we asked Miss Kim to do this, you know, and so we posted that. Of course, I didn't get a ton of traction, um, but, you know, people kept saying, oh, she just wants attention. This is a grift. This is that. I'm like, dude, I was about to be in a very cushy job. <laughs> like, 
none of this was for attention. I was supposed right. to be laying low, but you know, these are all these things that you never hear about because yeah. you know they they don't cover it. But you know, it's it's sad. I I I then. When all that happened, I started talking more to people with President Trump's administration. Uh, Gerard Smith was a deputy there in the White House, and he was dealing with the First Step Act and doing criminal justice reform. And so I met with Gerard, and Gerard was like, you know, I wonder what we could do to help out in Baltimore, because a lot of this crime is related to what you see going on in the streets, even when you pointed out the trash. And so I was going back and forth meeting with them. Um, and then, you know, Congressman Cummings passed away, I think it was October 17th. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my phone is like blowing up one morning. And I was like, what is going on? And so then everyone's like, can you believe it? He's gone. And I was like, really? And so then uh, CNN's April Ryan comes out with a story it's because of Kim Klasick. She killed him. She did this. Really? No, she stressed him out. Yeah. yeah. And so his... I didn't... Really? I didn't... Yeah, his widow had to come out. Uh, Maya Cummings, she went on The View, because at this time she had said, oh, I'm going to run for his seat. Yeah. She came out and said, I just want people to know he's been sick since 2017. And then she said, I actually feel bad that people are blaming others for his death. And I was really happy that she came out and said that, but... Yeah, that was going on for about two weeks. And I was like, dude, really? Wow. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, yeah, I get blamed for everything. But at that point, um, you know, we were kind of looking at the pool of who was running. I was already on Baltimore County Central Committee. Uh, I got on that in 2018. And so my chairman said, you know, why why not run? You know, if you're out here walking the walk, you might as well, you know, continue talking the talk and, and get something done in the area. So when you, and that's that video that you, that you, um, that you put the one that went viral that was kind of was that your idea was that that your because i from a marketing standpoint that's what really made you stand out to me and i was like i was blown away by you and was like wow that was just freaking genius and then just to watch it just kind of like you said every day every day it was like more and more people just watch the steam picking up of this video and um as a promoter i was just blown away and then that's how i kind of got talking to john because i think i had seen you tweet something about Jimmy's and he's like, yeah, she's a friend of mine. And, um, oh yeah. But yeah I so, love Jimmy's seafood. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, <laughs> can't, we can't plug them enough. Yeah. So was yeah. that your idea? Was that? So, you know, um, I'd already announced my campaign at that time. We'd already gone through the special election. Um, and Benny Johnson, I don't know if you guys know the guys at turning point, Charlie Kirk, Benny Johnson, all those guys, uh, Benny actually, uh, DM'd me on Twitter and said, look, I, I think I can take your message and put it in three minutes. He said, I think I got it, right? And so I said, all right, come to Baltimore. Let's see what you got. Um, he came to Baltimore. You know, he said, all right, you know, we're going to be walking in the streets to wear, like, sweats and sneakers. And I was like, dude, I don't own sweats and sneakers. <laughs> I, like, I don't have this stuff, right? I'm always in heels. And so he said, all right, just wear what you want. And so I get there, and I have on a red dress and red heels, and that just happened to be what I was wearing that day. And um, he said, you know, well, this kind of works in a weird way because I'm looking at all of this crumbling infrastructure and here you are in a bright red dress. He said, let's just go for it. And so, you know, we started shooting. It was like the hottest day of the year. It was 106 degrees. Um, we were out there for about four hours. And interesting enough, that first scene that we did, we were walking past a liquor store uh, in Druid Hill. Um, it was uh, Maya Cummings who <laughs> pulls up in her car. She was like going by through the light. And she goes, oh, my gosh, are you shooting your, your campaign ad? And I was like, yeah. She was like, I can't wait to see it. She said, I hope you beat him, Fumé. <laughs> she really? was, yeah, she was then applauding us because she was like, I really hope it's good. I get the video back after editing, and I'm like, Benny, what? Did we just sweat for this? And I, I thought it was not that good. I, I really? Honestly, I looked at it, and I'm like, 
me walking and talking to me is not fantastic. Uh, but I like the the fact that we had a lot of the stats there and, you know, a lot of it was factual and, and maybe some people didn't know some of those things, you know, about the poverty rate and the crime rate. And, and so I said, all right, let's see what it has. Um, and then we posted it and by the grace of God, it went viral. Yeah, it went just nuts. Um, and I, and in wrestling, so in wrestling, when you, when a, a, a talent connects with fans um, and if you never watched, um, professional wrestling there's a guy like stone cold steve austin a lot of times it's referred to as your like austin 316 moment because stone cold steve austin did this promo after this pay-per-view and said austin you know austin 316 and stone cold said so he cut this promo that became viral and um went on a run basically like feuding with the the um ended up feuding with the um owner of the company vince mcmahon and People kind of connected with that, and th that was obviously a moment um, that they, they connected with that video. And, and maybe, I mean, me, I've been in Baltimore all my life, so I saw it, and I'm in real estate, so I'm, I drive through Baltimore, and for years, I've, you drive through, or you have people that you talk to about Baltimore, and they're like, man, is it really bad, it's, as they say? So, but I, I think it's more than that. It's all it's cities throughout, whether it's Detroit or you know, cities throughout the United States, I think people just generally connected. Like you said, nobody's, nobody's ever kind of put it out there like that. You know, you see the politicians up there in the suits and we're going to make things better. But I just felt like it was, it just really connected. And I think that's kind of what happened is people in general, like, yeah, this really is what the cities look like. Yeah. 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 yeah and it's not that the whole city looks like that. And I think that was what kind of got people like, fired up like well I live in Baltimore City and my neighborhood doesn't look like that you know why why are we just looking at the negatives but like that's I mean there were mountains of trash that you're walking past I mean it's really hard not to walk past that obviously Roland Park does not have mountains of trash and they live in the city too it's almost like there's two different cities you know yeah. it's not the same Definitely. There's a tale of two Baltimores, right. is what they say, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I guess for me, it was like, look, I'm running for Congress, right? And so all of this time, leaders have leveraged the urban struggle to get federal funds, right? And so when you go down to Capitol Hill, say it was Congressman Cummings or whoever had the seat, they will say, look, look at West Baltimore. Look at these streets. Look at what we have going on. And that's how they would request the money annually. And, but then they would never take that money and remedy the situation. Mm -hmm. They would leave it as it is and then go back the very next year and leverage the same struggle, right? And so that's, it was just a continuing cycle. And so we were trying to point out the fact that, look, you've had millions and millions of dollars thrown to this area alone just because of the Freddie Gray riots in 2015. Where is that money, right? And so right now, if you go down Penn North, uh, all they have are new bus lanes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and now, I guess Ryan Dorsey was a, a great advocate for bike lanes, and, and I talked to some of the people that live there, and they're like, dude, who rides a bike around here? <laughs> right, you know? Exactly. They're like, if anything, those bike lanes are kind of dangerous, right. considering what we have going on here. And so, um, you know, just pointing out the fact that, you know, the money isn't hitting the ground, and the priorities just aren't there. Uh, you know, I'm sure everyone has seen the, the stats that came out about the school system. Mm -hmm. um, and those schools, like you said, they're not in Roland Park, but they are in these areas in West Baltimore where I was walking down the street. Um, and so that's the difference. If you're going to go to Capitol Hill and represent the 7th District, you need to represent everyone equally. Mm -hmm. and that's what the, it seems like. So do you think they, 
they don't do those things just to kind of have that as something always to go and get money for? Is that kind of one of the problems you think? Uh, absolutely. I mean, when I look at what Mayor Brandon Scott's doing right now, um, I knew that he wanted some of that $350 billion that they were setting aside for inner cities across the country. Um, I, I figured that's why he didn't want to open things up. I figured that's why he was so against what Governor Hogan had going on, because he wanted to be able to put his hand out. You know, right now, the inner harbor's in receivership. The only thing really built up on that side of town is is East, well, what is it called? The... Um, Harbor, Harbor East. East. Harbor yes. East. Yeah. It's beautiful down there. It is. And, and what's crazy is he's even making enemies over there, right? The Atlas wow. Group has all the restaurants <laughs> over there. That's and and they're, they're pissed off at him right now. And so you see uh, the declining population. I, I got a, a post the other day that says Pandora is going to pull out of the city. Oh, so, really? you, so you're going to see so many people just keep, you know, leaving the city um, as he's pushing for basically this money handout. And, and as we see, you know, here we are with the Baltimore City School System. The administrative uh, positions take a lot of the money. We have the third highest per pupil spending in the country. Kids are graduating, not able to read or write. But you know what he does last week? He actually put somebody else on the board. So now we're paying another administrator. He's actually adding people to the payroll as far as administrators and not fixing the education system. And so to me, that's where the issue is. You know, they're kind of using this money as it's their, their personal stash. They're hiring friends and giving it out to their buddies. Uh, but it's never hitting the ground where it's truly needed. So how do we fix all that? Less career politicians. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that a lot of people really were kind of shocked uh, when when Donald Trump went after Elijah Cummings is uh, he brought up how many years Elijah Cummings has been working on this. How many years is it going to take? And uh, to me, politics always was something that you did for a term. There were terms set on being uh, holding a seat in Congress. And some of, you know, the politicians, this is their life. And they never kind of like, in our industry, where, you know, in my experience as a ring announcer, uh, there'll be an older ring announcer who just won't want to let go of that microphone. <laughs> and right. let a young, fresh <laughs> face get up there and present some new going. ideas. Well, you have it in, in wrestling. Was, and in, yeah, in, I was just in wrestling, You know, people like John Cena. You know, for years was on top. You know, in WWE, the guys, if names you'd like The Rock, like Dwayne Johnson, he, he wasn't one that, that stayed too long because he was five or six years on top and he became a Hollywood star and he bolted. Right. But yeah. guys like a guy like John Cena, those those top spots, they don't want to let go. It's where all the money is. And they, mm -hmm. you know, you always hear it in wrestling like, hey, John Cena, he's been there 12 years. Like, step aside and let someone, you know, or Hulk Hogan. You would always hear those stories. So yeah, it's the same I mean, thing. you always hear, you, you know, retirement is never forever in professional wrestling. Like, people come out and they'll, you know, we don't have uh, contract terms like uh, professional athletes do, you know, in baseball or football where you get a contract for three years or five years or what have you. You know, you get a contract when you work for some of these big ones, but that doesn't, that that's just for that period of time. Like, you you likely will stay well beyond your contract and probably way past your prime. I mean, it is not uncommon for some of these guys who had the spotlight 20 years ago to be out doing indie shows and, you know, in their 60s and 70s, where they're obviously not at the athletic skill, but, you know, they're still out there doing something. And it's not that they don't have something to contribute, but, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, It's it's. I see the parallels there. Uh, another one, to go back to that tweet when he called out Cummings, it, mm -hmm. where, you, where I... Even then, when that happened, I'm like, man, this is just like pro wrestling. Um, because Trump called him out, and all the mainstream media said, oh, you're racist, you're calling out. Right. Because you're right. calling out a black congressman. Right. Yeah. 
But the context, like, well, wait a minute, and that, and then it became that, and it was like, well, no one brought up what was seventeen billion. Like, I mean, as a guy that's been in Baltimore, I'm like, hey, great point. Okay, he's not smooth and all the way he does stuff, but it never got brought up. It just became he's attacking a black congressman, and the whole context of the money, mm -hmm. the seventeen, was never brought up. Like, yeah. no one ever thought to go, well, wait a minute. Well, maybe we should address this. Well, no one even attempted to explain where all that money went. It was just, he's a racist. That's because... And it was the um, deflection. Right. Well, deflection Trump, was happening. Trump is a master at using inflammatory language. So I think that when he was calling it the rat-infested streets of Baltimore, really struck a nerve with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly what it was. They are rat-infested streets. <laughs> Which you demonstrated in your video. Right. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, they just wanted to pick something to... Like you said, deflect from deflect, the right. heart of it and be like, well, you must be racist. That's that's why you're doing it. He's a racist, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, too, about the words that he used. So, this is how I knew he was watching Fox and Friends, you know, as I was on it. He actually tweeted out verbatim what the young lady said in my video. Uh, and she was black. And so she said, it's rat infested, it's this, it's that. He tweets that out. And then it's like, oh, Trump's a racist. So then. I tried calling onto uh, shows, you know, in the city, especially like WBAL, you know, C4. And I was like, hey, guys, I, I actually have the video and I could show you where he got that language. And for some reason, they just yeah, they ignored don't. it. And so I was like. Because it's not the story they wanted to tell. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, dude, he, he didn't make this up on his own. He, mm -hmm. he repeated this young woman. and But nobody wanted to run it. Uh, Brian Stetler at CNN, you know, they ran kind of like a hit piece, and I was like, "Look, Brian, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do the story, do the whole story." And he was like, "No, Kim, just just give us some of these answers that we have. We have questions for you." And I was like, "All right, well, have me come in. I'll do it live, mm -hmm. you know." And they're like, "No, no, 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 no. We we just want you to answer the questions in the email." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, then, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, you can just do whatever you want with these answers, but you know, that was the kind of thing that we were up against. You know, it's like if it doesn't fit the narrative." You know, keep her quiet and keep this whole thing quiet. Right. All it's right. interesting because I thought, honestly, uh, you know, damn with you selecting me as your presenter for MCW Pro for so many years, and you mentioned this on the cast, first impressions and presentation make a world of difference. Mm -hmm. And as far as that promo, uh, which was your political ad uh, in the wrestling world, we would, we would really consider that like a promo that you cut the red was so powerful uh, because the red, in a lot of ways, to me, called out the blood that has been spilt in that area as well. Not just the trash, uh, but that uh, we have a lot of problems in the city of Baltimore. So I thought uh, that on presentation alone, I really thought that you were going to be able to clinch that seat. Because how many men in suits have we seen talking to us over the years? And here we have, you know, this powerful fiery red dress and heels, this is thinking different. Um, but, you know, if you if you study color theory at all, um, and I have a degree in art, so <laughs> this is my... Um, red is actually, um, can be a very aggressive color. And so that may have subconsciously contributed to that, that knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, who does she think she is prancing down the street in that red dress? Because it is a confrontational color. Like, there's so much done on the, you know, on color theory, like, just using when and where to use red text, um, mm -hmm. you know, in print or in media and things like that. And, you know, the what 
uh, if you're going to paint a wall in a room or something and what you're going to wear clothing wise. So it may have simultaneously attracted attention, but also put off people as well. That's but what it, call it was real. It was really no. <laughs> It just happened to be the dress you were wearing, I guess. Yeah, my favorite color is red. I didn't know there's psychology behind the color red. I heard, I heard a lot of people in talk in Baltimore said that same thing that they that they thought it was like symbolism for like the blood spilled in the streets. Yeah, and not in a bad mm-hmm. people just saying I felt, you know, um, it's a bold like, color, really. Yeah. But I mean, it, it really is. It's one of the colors of the flag. Yeah, and it, it was us. that shade. It was, I believe, it was that shade of red. It wasn't like crimson or, or maroon or you know merlot. It was, uh, you know, it was like Merlot. that. I, I, did it, I did it intentionally because I like people to hear me say things, you know, misintentionally. I know. Kind of call me out I knew you did it intentionally. And you I knew you were going to call me out on it. So I knew, I knew you said I that intentionally. So in, in wrestling too, in, in wrestling, kind of tying into all of this, there's um behind the scenes there's something called like giving the rub to somebody Mm. and like giving the rub to somebody is when a promoter will take like the rock and they'll team him up with a a, a person that's coming up on the mid card to bring more attention like oh they're teaming with the rock or they're teaming with john cena or hawk hogan it's called giving the rub so that's how i kind of saw when all of a sudden trump started retweeting all of a sudden you have the president of the united states a, a high high profile um you know, obviously, and uh, starts tweeting, and then all of a sudden, you just kind of, you know, how much did, as far as, like, bringing attention to you, I guess that must have been a lot of attention suddenly. And, yeah, no, it yeah. was it was overnight, really. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, like, we had the trash videos that happened back in July, but it was nothing like this, because right. in those trash videos, remember, like, I wasn't in them. I was interviewing other people. Um, so this video, now people see who I am. And if they were pissed, they are like, now we see who to blame. Mm. And I think that's where it got crazy. But to me, I was just like, look, this is the honest truth. Uh, there were a lot of people that came out on, on Facebook and said, look, I live here. It's the truth. You know, if you live in Carrollton Ridge, Harlem Park area, this is the truth. Um, and so, it, you know, there was a lot of back and forth. But at the end of the day, you know, no regrets. You know what I mean? It's it's right. now that is... is put a spotlight on it. But what was interesting to me is we saw those streets in 2015 when the cameras were here for the riots. And at that time, Senator Bernie Sanders said, you know, this area looks like a third world country. I don't know if you guys remember that. I remember that. And so he said that, but then when the cameras left, they all just walked away and nobody did anything about it. Nobody talked about it again. And they kind of just closed the door on it. And that was that. And so, you know, President Obama worked with Cummings in securing the money for the area but then they never hit the ground with it. And I don't know where it was dispersed. I mean, you look at some of the things and you try to trace some of it. I mean, but, you know, when they do these things, like, I don't know if you guys saw the youth fund, it's now been broken down into $400 gift cards. You know, when you do stuff like that, it is so hard to trace, trace some it, of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and we'll be talking about that. You know, my team is still going to be working on, you know, the corruption in the city moving forward. Uh, and we're going to be presenting it, you know, alongside with uh, Fox 45 and other outlets. But that's the problem. You know, they know how to hide the money. You know, they've been doing this for a very long time. Like you said, they're career politicians. And so we've got a, a task where we have to not only investigate it, but be able to prove it, you know, factually. Um, and then get the people to understand what's going on. And that's another thing. There were so many people misinformed. You know, we knock on doors and talk to people like, hey, you know, you pay more taxes now than you did when you had trash pickup twice a week. You have it now once a week and you're paying more. Don't you think that's odd? 
And they're like, well, I guess, you know, and then you're like, and you're, so you keep talking to them about things and then, you know, you're at a door for 20 minutes trying to explain why, you know, voting differently this time around might work in your favor. So it, it was a lot of work. We didn't sleep, but again, no regrets. Wow. Well, it sounds like, Kim, you kind of had the proverbial rocket strapped to your back and were off into the stratosphere and we want to talk to you a little more. Uh, but we are going to pause for one brief break, and we'll be right back here on the MCW Cast with our special guest, Kim Klasik. All right, and we're back. Um, one of the things, Kim, we we're on the break that I, I wanted to say that I, that really stood out to me too, and it's the same way um, with everybody when they're they're working their way up in the business is like work ethic and getting yourself out there, and that was something. Watching from the outside, watching you on your campaign was you. You were everywhere um, to see. It. A lot of times, politicians, you know, they come, they do the new stuff and the social media. I mean, but you were, you were out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we knew at that time, you know, just knocking on a few doors that we would have to knock on every door if we wanted to flip the seat. And so we were just out there every single day. Um, talking to people, you know, we were having, you know, block parties in West Baltimore. Uh, we had a couple of pastors that really took interest in, in what we were doing. And so we were at their churches all the time, you know, it's, so we were just always out there. Uh, my field director, Marcus Trent, he actually grew up in West Baltimore. And he said, you know, if, if anyone can turn us around, it'll be us. I promise you, we can do it. And so in the special election, we ended up getting only 3,000 votes in Baltimore City, but by the general... Uh, we had close to 14,000 votes in the city, and I think it's because we were out there every single day and night. And what, why do you think, um, just getting into like your election and everything, do you think, um, is it that, is it, is it that, uh, it's, we've been democratic so long as far as, you know, flipping, only flipping the, the people that you flipped, you know, is it is it that everybody in such a democratic area and everybody is just ingrained to vote a certain way? What do you think changes to bring to bring change? Yeah, um, and you know, it is. It's and this is you know, even if it was Republicans running it for fifty years, it'd still be the same problems, right. right? That one party mob rule is something that you have to break up, right? Neither side for fifty years is a good idea. Um, but right now, you know, the way we see it, you know, I would walk down the street and talk to people, and the first thing they say is. Oh, you're, you're a Republican. Republicans are racist. You know, President Trump, he talks about you. He's racist, you know, or um, we think you're going to take away our, our disability or, you know, that's that's kind of what they've been told all of this time. You know, the Democrat Party is, you know, for the social good and they're here to help. And so, you know, we basically had to inform people saying, look, I, I understand what you're saying, but but here's the facts. You know, this is the party that supposedly has been helping you. You want to blame Trump, but I have to ask you, you know, was your life like this before 2016? If the answer is yes, then this can't possibly be Trump's fault. You know, and so then you just kind of, you know, like I said, you've got to talk to them. I think one of the biggest issues that we ran into is, you know, the message for the voter and the message for the donor are two totally different messages, right? And so, unfortunately, you know, the message to the donor is on every media appearance because that's how we make money. Uh, but the voters also watching. <laughs> so right. they hear it and they're like, oh, you know, they'll say, you know, that that sounds like she's being condescending. You know, she's talking down to us. She's this, she's that. When really I'm just trying to explain it as simple as possible for the donor because we need the money. You know, sending out just a mailer in District 7, you got 500,000 people that live there, cost you $80,000, right? That's one mailer. 
Um, so we knew that we had to raise a significant amount of money to be able to take on somebody like Kwasi and Fume. And you really did. Your numbers were fantastic. And then you invested that in that marketing campaign. I mean, what was it, like $4 million or something, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's remarkable. Yeah, we, we I think it was $8.4 million when we were done. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, half of it went into marketing and pushing everything out. Um, you know, Washington posted a story on it. They're like, how did Olympic media get $3.2 million? And I'm like, dude, that's how much it costs. Like when you put an advertisement out and it's political, remember mm -hmm. they charge you more on Facebook, YouTube for political ads versus just regular oh, ads. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like three times the amount, right? Mm -hmm. And so you've got people that are pushing it out. Olympic media, they have people that are working 24 seven. So even in the middle of the night, you know, you got people pushing this thing out. And, and so there was a lot going on. And, you know, they couldn't, I think they really wanted to hit Arsenal Media because Benny Johnson, he does a lot of, like, you know, campaign ads that go viral. He's, he's really good at it. Uh, but when they looked at the numbers from Arsenal and saw, they hardly charged us nothing, you know, in comparison. Because this is a company, you know, from the Midwest. You know, this isn't a D.C. company. D.C. companies charge D.C. prices. Right. Uh, a Midwest company is not. And also we were the first campaign ad that Arsenal did. So when they came to us with uh, the idea, it was five thousand dollars. So we turned five thousand dollars into eight wow. million, which is great. You know, and then we paid them on the back end for them, you know, pushing out through their sources. But, you know, that's just how much it costs. Unfortunately, it just it's a lot of money. Well, and I think I, I read the article that came out about, you know, saying, oh, she spent four million dollars with this advertising. Well, you know, that's kind of the cost. I mean, we have to use social media advertising to promote our shows and things like that as well. And, you know, a lot of people just don't realize, I think, how expensive advertising is. You know, I mean, we hear about it like for the Super Bowl. We know those ads are expensive, but I kind of feel like the mentality is, well, it's just for that one thing. But really, it does spread into other areas. And like you mentioned, political ads cost more money. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they did the investigation because they mm -hmm. proved that I didn't take any money. They proved that I didn't hire any relatives or friends. We proved that we didn't funnel the money to somebody secretly. We actually, you could account for every single dime that came into the campaign. You know, I did everything I did for free. I didn't take a salary or any pay. So I'm like, you know, I'm glad that you guys thoroughly investigated this. I just hope you do the same for Kwaisi and Fume. But, you know, there's been silence on that. So how, like, for, for people having an idea or an ideology, how much of it, because the one is, is like the media or the news they consume, because the one thing that, and it, it, it really is just like pro wrestling, is any of the na major news stations, you can tell by watching them which way they lean politically, and it, it I don't think they give you the news, I really feel like it's a narrative, depending, for me to follow politics and I know, I know you were on the show. I watched Tim Pool. I watched Jimmy Dore to get a Democratic view um, or a liberal view. And I like Andrew Clavin of the Daily Wire. So I like those three independent medias because I feel like at least they're gonna they'll beat up their own party to try to get an idea. I feel like I'm getting honest news. I don't feel like any of the mainstream news stations. I feel like if I'm gonna watch something, then I'm just gonna be fed a narrative. It, I, I feel like I had to deprogram myself from that, you know, from the mainstream and not even go to them for politics. Absolutely. You know, we ran, I think it was seven commercials that we were running locally and only Fox 45 would pick them up. So all those other stations, WJZ, uh, Z and all those other stations, they wouldn't do it. Um, and then we actually hired someone to come in because CNN, MSNBC, all those stations would not pick up our calls to have me on. So we actually hired someone that they work with 
to have me go in. That was a bust. So we paid that person for nothing because they knew they weren't going to have me on, right? Um, so there was a lot of trial and error, you know, through it too. Um, and then people wondered why I went on The View uh, when I did because that was the only station. They were trying to do like an I gotcha kind of thing. ABC. Yeah, you could tell, right? Yeah, but I was thinking, you know what? It's going to be a fight. But at least I'll reach that other audience, that other side that might not know my name yet, right? And they might not know that I'm existing here in Baltimore trying to make a difference. So I said, you know, I guess it's like wrestling, right? You know you're about to get in a fight, but you still go. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so that's what I did, you know? I said, look, look we got to fight, we got to fight. Well, it's funny because, yeah, we were talking about this before with, with some guys. It happens in wrestling. Talent tries to... Because everybody's trying to, you know, there's talent in the mainstream companies. They try to cut each other's legs off and sabotage each other's career because they're all they're all trying to work up to that rock spot and that top spot where the millions of dollars is. And you have guys that are friends or girls that are friends, but they try to like kind of sabotage and cut each other's legs out to advance themselves or if they feel that this person's a threat. So did you have anybody like advising you against going on The View? Uh, there were a lot of people that said don't go on, uh, especially my mom, you know. She, right. <laughs> my mom was like, no, Kimberly, don't go and fight, you know. Um, but, you know, at that point, you know, that was like throwing a Hail Mary because that was towards the end mm -hmm. of the, the campaign. And so I thought, forget it, let's go. And then that was kind of another viral moment. Mm -hmm. And so we actually raised, I think, close to $500,000 just from that appearance. Wow. After that. And then that shows why they didn't want to have you covered on CNN with Anderson or right. any yeah. of them. Like it could they, backfire. Yeah, get you a little bump bump, you know? Is that just, uh, you, I guess that's something that's probably never going to change. That's probably different stations that are that are leaning one direction. They kind of, I guess, if they, if they know where they're, their bread's buttered, mm -hmm. you know, why, why bring the temperature down? Um, you know, yeah. Well, that's why I'm glad, like, shows like this and other shows that aren't, you know, strapped to something like CNN or Fox News. I'm hoping more people tune into stuff like this where yeah. you get, you know, you don't have that bias opinion. You know, you're just putting out what's going on or the facts, excuse me. Um, and so for me, it's like, you know, like you said, Tim Pool and other. Yeah, um, yeah. Tim Pool, Jimmy Dore. Yeah. Jimmy Dore is a good one. Yeah. Like, you know, this is this is great. I'm glad that they're doing this. But then on the other side of that, you've got big tech kind of, you know. Suppressing. Exactly. Yeah. So then it's like, wow, what's going to happen now? You know, and so it's it's crazy. It's crazy how it is. But, you know, I think, you know, the bias in the media has been going on for a long time. You know, you read books, you know, that talks about JFK and everybody and how they were dealing with it. So, unfortunately, it's nothing new. I just wonder how bad is it going to get. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's for me, I, I never, and I know a lot of people my age, I'm in my 40s, I never really paid attention to how biased new stations were until the Trump era. I never, it never I mean, yeah, it's like you said, it's always been there. But to me, I, I feel like if that's something for me that came out of the Trump era, I, and I feel like a lot of people went, wow, like they really do lean a certain direction. I mean, it was like a, a light was shined on it. I never really noticed it until that era. And it's it's pretty, and now it's, it feels like it's become so heated on both sides that it's, it's you know, you, 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 it's pretty hard not to, to see. Yeah, I think it got worse under President Trump. I don't know if you guys remember when he first got in there, his first thing was, I want every lobbyist off of Capitol Hill. He said, I, I want all these people, you know, special interest groups, everyone making money on the side. It's time to walk away because we're actually going to get things done for the people. And so there were a lot of people that actually lost out on that usual bankroll that they were getting. 
And so there were a lot of people really pissed off, even in the Republican Party. So you saw the people like Paul Ryan and, you know, the Romneys, they're all like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, this is how we're making our side money. This is what we're here for. And so they were pissed. And so that actually goes back to the media as well, right? Because they're actually getting money out of some of those situations too. So there were a lot of people not so happy with what was going on. So he had a lot of enemies from all sides. It actually reminds me of something similar that has been happening in wrestling um, lately with, you were talking about side money. Um, A lot of wrestlers have other streams of revenue, like they stream on Twitch or things like that. And um, the big company, WWE, said, oh, we're not going to let you do that anymore. Um, And because they kind of wanted that creative control because they put their investment in making that character and, you know, kind of wanted to have a little bit more control over it to the point where even before that, a few years back, they wanted access to their social media passwords and so forth to try to have, yeah, (laughs) which... Um, but people have trained their whole lives to work for this company, so I think there was a degree of um, compliance. But then we've seen the backlash. We've had people who have chosen their independence over keeping a job like that, like Zelina Vega is one of them who, you know, made is doing great with her side uh, streaming revenue and didn't want to compromise herself. So that is an interesting comparison. Yeah, yeah, no, and we have that in politics. I thought people would notice it. Um, I don't know if you guys follow Tommy Lahren at all, but when she went on The View, she got into it because she didn't say that she was pro-life. She's more libertarian, you know what I mean? So she's not pro-life. And so uh, she got fired from Glenn Beck's The Blaze after that because she would not say it. Uh, And then she was in a fight with The Blaze for her Facebook account because at that time, I guess, with her contract, they had taken over it. And so then she had to actually go to court to get it back for just herself because she said, you know, I built that social media platform. And that's the same argument that these wrestlers have used and too. Like, this is my, I've done this on my own. This is mine. I should be entitled to this. And yep. that, that, so what was it that they fired her for? Because she wouldn't say she was pro-life. All Like, she would. She actually said, I'm pro-choice. Yeah, she was saying that she was pro-choice and she understands why some women make the decisions that they do. And she feels like less government means that people should have a choice. Um, And I understand where she's coming from, you know. And then so she was kind of like saying, this is just what I believe. I'm just going to be honest here. And I guess, you know, after the show, somebody then wanted her to like kind of really explain it on social media. And she said, I said what I said. And then Glenn Beck, I guess, was not so happy. So why is that too, like both sides, Democrat and Republican, where... You have you have to like draw a hard line on all these issues because I, I feel like in in most issues politically I'm kind of in the middle on a lot of stuff too. But it's like like you said, like she she lost her job at the Blaze because she wouldn't say I'm pro life and like draw that hard line. Yeah, um, well, I guess it's you know again the media, right? right. <laughs> I think it's to appeal to the single issue voters. To be yeah. perfectly honest, because there are a significant number of voters who are single issue voters, and if you ostracize them because you've taken a midline stance you run the risk of losing them and particularly with the pro-choice issue the pro-lifers you know they will you could be the most evil person in the world but if you say i'm pro-life and that is their strong point that they believe in they will vote for you so everything else could be against their own personal beliefs but there are those single issue voters can make a huge difference and that's my that's why i think that they they don't take a more midline stance. 
yeah, the evangelicals will, you know, wring your neck if you don't say for a Right, while. yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, I-, I was running in Baltimore City. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not standing up there talking about pro-life. I'm not doing it. And so, for me, I just started talking about, look, 35 other countries already has birth control over the counter, right? Why can't we do that here? You know, it's because the FDA wants to regulate it. I said, look, you know, we can talk about pro-life, we can talk about pro-choice, but when are we going to talk about a solution to it? You know, if you're mad about people getting an abortion, why do we have over-the-counter birth control pills so people can access it? Otherwise, the women right now are getting it from Planned Parenthood if they can't afford to go, if they don't have that in their health care. So they end up at Planned Parenthood to get their birth control pills, which still costs money, and then people wonder why they turn to them for an abortion. Well, they're very comfortable going there. They've been going there for years. Yeah, that is something, um, you know, that was one of the platforms when I was uh, doing a little research about your nonprofit that you have, um, Potential Me, you know, and and seeing your stance on uh, contraceptives being available. And that's not just a, um, you know, pro-choice or pro-life issue. It's a women's health issue. And, you know, um, I, this has always been a sticking point for me, and I'll, I'll argue this with people who, oh, well, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't have access to it or whatever, or you can get it from your doctor. But there's reasons that women take birth control that have nothing to do with preventing pregnancy. Absolutely. And women that don't have access to that suffer horribly, you know, if they've got endometriosis or something like that. I mean, they are, th- those are debilitating illnesses that can be, remedied with access to contraceptives and so I appreciated that about your position that you know just making this accessible and being able like if I can go to Rite Aid and get cramps for PMS why can't I go and get birth control pills that might also alleviate that as well but for a longer period of time. Right. So. No, I appreciate that. And, and that's the one thing I actually agree with AOC on. So, <laughs> you know, during my campaign, everyone's like, you got to take more shots at the squad. You got to take more shots at AOC. And I'm like, look, if I end up on the Hill, I want to work with her on this because, you know, the Democrat Party, they do listen to her. <laughs> and if she can get this across, you know, I'm going to be right there co-sponsoring it because people in Baltimore definitely need it. And for me, it was like a, you know, a win-win. If you want to defund Planned Parenthood, well, then you take out what they're getting federal funding for, right? All the data shows they're providing birth control pills. That's why they mm-hmm. get the funding. Take that out of their hands, you defund Planned Parenthood. You know, it's not rocket science. It's just doing what needs to be done. And then again, like you said, people draw that hard line. So nobody ever wants to like really think outside the box and figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you seem like on a lot of a lot of um a lot of the things you were putting forward or ideas you were putting forward, you were kind of doing outside the box thinking. Um, say what do you think the chances you think like talking about getting that money out of politics a lot of younger people like yourself and AOC that have come on and not the you know the old career politicians um do you think that that's something that could kind of help change things that's interesting I mean yeah getting big money out of politics would be great because it would open up you know that world to more people that would be great leaders but just can't afford to take it there um, you know, I started a pack, Red Renaissance, and we're actually going to be supporting candidates across the country that can't raise that big money. Because, you know, it's one thing that I, we learned that we could do is raise money, right? So why not help some of these candidates that are great, that just don't have that viral ad that can get across that line and do great things on Capitol Hill? Um, but at the same time, you know, looking at, and I know, like we talked about the Washington Post story, when people see those numbers, you know, before you were just sending mailers, right, before all this social media stuff. Now it costs even more to run for office. So it's like we're, we're going the other way, basically. And so I don't know what it's going to take 
Um, I, I honestly don't know. Is that being done, expensive. you think, to crush people like yourself or AOC or that don't have the big, that come out of nowhere? Uh, I mean, it could, it could be. I mean, if I don't think people will understand sometimes like the incumbents, uh, those on Capitol Hill, you know, they can actually take money out of what they have there to send mailers, right? They don't have to raise that money, right? It can come out of what they have. And so for us, you know, we're taking on incumbent. Everyone says, well, you know, just beat them. You don't need term limits. Just beat them. It's like, well, they already have a stash, right? They've already got money in the bank. You know, we, we're coming out of here with nothing. And so we're really trying to catch up and get some steam. And so, you know, it could be a possibility. But at the same time, like I said, it's going to cost us even more money the next round. And, and that's kind of scary. Yeah, it does seem like the, the amount spent during this past campaign cycle was ridiculous. I mean, it was so over the top. And it just seems like every... Uh, election cycle. It, it's increasing more and more and more. And when I saw some of the numbers, I was like, wait, so people have all this money to donate here, but like, we can't get the trash picked up in Baltimore City. Like, I'm not understanding how there's all this disposable income to do this. But, you know, and, and so much of the donations came in from, you know, five and $10 donations, which is, is astounding that, you know, that kind of low level donating made such a huge financial impact. Yeah, we were very lucky. Uh, we ended up with over 110,000 donors across the country. Um, and all of them came with little notes like, this is my last $20, you know? Yeah. And so that was great because we, we didn't take uh, money from, you know, special interest groups or, or big money donors. We said, look, we're not going to owe anybody any favors. You know, when we get there, it is going to be about what the people want. I don't want, I don't want the NRA sponsorship. I, I don't want anybody, you know? And, and that was another thing, like, me and my campaign, we would go back and forth. And they're like, Kim, well, this group wants to give you this much, and they'll endorse you. And a lot of people look at it, and I'm like... I don't want to have to owe them when I get there. You know, I think we can do this without owing these favors. And this is what I always talk about when I talk about President uh, Barack Obama when he ran. Um, and in 2008, everybody heard how he ran for office. His message completely changed when he got there. And he owed a lot of people a lot of favors. If you looked at who donated to his campaign, remember that whole solar panel situation, mm -hmm. right? He had to go on that route because they had helped him so much get to where he was and defeat Hillary Clinton. Um, so I just wanted to be in a position where I didn't owe anybody anything. And that's kind of where they call their favors due, huh? Yeah. When you get in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we got to pause for a break. Yep, One more I, break. I actually wanted to hear, uh, Kim, I know a big, big part of your, your ascent, as it were, was uh, speaking at the Republican National Convention. And when we come back from the break, I, I actually want to probe lightly about that and, and have you talk to our MTW cast about it. Sounds good. And we are back with our very special guest for episode nine of the MCW cast, Kim Klasik. Uh, Kim, before we went to break, I, I mentioned that a huge milestone for you was being invited to speak at the RNC. So can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be and what type of experience that was like? It was drama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even tell you guys. The behind the scenes was crazy, right? Um, I first went on Laura Ingram to talk about the campaign ad. And, you know, there were a lot of people watching it, right? President Trump, his team, everybody. And so I guess um, she said, Laura Ingram said, you know, I really hope you're speaking at the RNC convention because if you're not, we're really messing up on the Republican Party, right? And so she said that and I was like, oh, here we go. And so literally I get off set and I get a call um, and Charlie Kirk is like, hey, President Trump said you're speaking at the RNC convention. I said, all right, cool. 
So the very next day, I then get a, a text message saying, oh, Ron McDaniel, the chairwoman of the RNC, said, a viral campaign ad is not enough to speak at the RNC convention. Oh. Right? So I was like, all right. And so then I told my team, I said, I guess we're not speaking. I guess Charlie then goes back to Trump. Trump is like, no, I said she is. I mean, so it went back and forth. And so when we went to go uh, basically record it, mm -hmm. we had just got word that morning. And so we didn't really write anything, right? Because, I mean, we, we didn't think it was going to happen. So then they're like, all right, we're going to come up to West Baltimore. We're going to record it there. And I was like, oh, yes, right? So we'll be right in front of, like, we're staking out places. Like, we'll be in front of these abandoned row homes. We'll go down to Inner Harbor, show how it's empty now. Like, we had this whole thing planned out. They get there, and they're like, uh, yeah, so we don't have anything, equipment, where we can actually capture you while walking or even outside. Oh. And I was like. So why'd you come to West Baltimore? <laughs> we could have just done this right at Trump Hotel. Like, what are you, what are you, why are you here? Right? And so then they're like, all right, well, do you have, like, some kind of, you know, warehouse that we can use? And so my friend, you know, Greg was like, uh, well, we got our one buddy. He's got, you know, the boats and the yachts and stuff. And I was like, wait a minute. So you came to West Baltimore to shoot us in, like, a yacht boathouse? Like, right. this is going to be great, right? Uh, this is going to go over so well. So when you saw the, the RNC speech... I was in this boathouse, and there were boats on the wall behind me. And then people, I, as soon as it came out, I knew they were going to be like, where is she? That can't be West Baltimore. That's a lie. Da, da, da. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Um, but, no, it was it was a great experience. Uh, like I said, the RNC did not want me there. The RNC did not help me in my race at all. They didn't help at all. Um, they were for uh, an opponent that I had defeated in the primary. And so they were mad that their person wasn't there to begin with because she was more establishment, uh, Liz Matory. And so they weren't going to help me. They weren't happy that I was there. The Maryland GOP party said, Jesus Christ can't win that seat, so we're not going to support you because we don't want to exhaust our donors on you. And I was like, all right, we'll figure out how to raise our own money, right? I'd already been doing media, so we thought we could raise it there. Um, but the RNC convention speech, you know, we kind of wrote it just like that. Um, we knew that we had to hit people like, you know, Joe Biden, you know, my opponent, and really just drill down on the fact that so long, the Democrats have ruined every inner city in this country. And so that's what it was about. Um, you know, it was, it was amazing because we only did it in a couple takes. Uh, and at that point, I guess I was so pissed off about, you know, them coming to West Baltimore and not really shooting it in West Baltimore. I was angry. So, like, when we shot it, like, I'm like this. Da -da -da, da -da -da -da. And they're like, yeah, Kim. And I'm like, I'm pissed. I mean, we should be outside, you know. And so uh, it came across well, uh, I think. Um, so it was just, again, another just uh, blessing. Well, that is amazing. I'm sorry. I got to just get in here with that about you taking that kind of frustration that came with it coming together and channeling that into your message. Because if that doesn't happen in pro wrestling, yeah. all the time yeah. when you get to the venue, the ring's not there, the backstage area is like a bathroom, and you're like, I drove seven hours here, and you know, and, and then when you go out, you kill it. And, you and, kill it. Because and what about her talking about, it's funny, like the bitterness, like where the RNC chair didn't want her on. How much you see that in wrestling where it's like, hey, don't push that guy. You right. got a guy or a girl at the top of the right. car and I'm pushing him as a promoter and people are coming in, no, don't push her, don't don't do that, mm -hmm. don't put them on the show. They're not good and they try to cut yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, they try to cut the person the down. Politicking and wrestling. Politicking, I mean like that. And we even call it politicking. We do. You're, politic <laughs> you're politicking for a push in yeah. wrestling. So yeah. and honestly, I was watching and paying attention to leading up to the RNC convention one hundred percent only for you. 
because I was following you and I was I had watching your stuff and I remember that was being the chatter like is Kim Klasick is she going to speak and um but I didn't realize all that like I was like why why haven't they announced her why haven't they you know why and then it was like very last minute yeah like no, a day or two of it, it was announced so thank you um, yeah only because of President Trump I mean if it wasn't for him uh, I would not have been speaking. So do you think like they wouldn't get behind you too? And well, I guess you said they wanted your that your your opponent that in the primary, but because you won't take that hard line on certain things that right. Like, so because I don't say things like pro life. So my opponent, her main thing was being pro life, oh, and gotcha. so I was like, come on, this is not going to win in Baltimore. You can be pro life all day. They're not going to want to hear this in Baltimore. So yeah. already your strategy sucks, you know? So like, so like I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. But no, so they, they were for, they're for more of the establishment type, right? That's kind of what they, they like. They like the Adam Kinsinger. They like the Liz Cheney's. They like, you know, those that always just remain the status quo. And so when you have people kind of breaking loose, you know, then they're like, oh, wow, we can't really control her. Right. You know, and so if she got on Capitol Hill, we probably can't even tell her, what it is that we want to be said or done. And then when you look at, you know, who was supporting us, there were no big names, right? They, they loved the NRA. They loved those special interest groups. Um, and so we were all, we were shutting the door to them too. So then they're like, well, now who's going to control her? And it's like, aha, the people, <laughs> you know? And so, and that I think was something that did not appeal to them at all. Right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's so funny. I just, uh, just hearing your story and kind of the, Barriers that were placed in in front of you by people that essentially were your backers. It's so similar to so uh, similar to pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, and, and we talk about you know people have their haters. You know, I mean, and and like Dan was saying, that can hold you back. Literally, you know, having those haters if they're up high enough in the uh, chain of command at a particular promotion or something, they can absolutely be that barrier that prevents you from getting to the next level or getting another contract or even getting hired in some cases. You know, yeah. Uh, well, you know what's so interesting that so we recorded it that day. And we went to Riley's Oyster um, in Hunt Valley to watch the RNC convention that night. We had like a little party, you know, amongst friends. And so we get there and we have it on every station, right? So MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, we're all, you know, everything's up. MSNBC and CNN cuts to commercial when I go on. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. And I, I, I heard like, that. So yeah. why? Why? Is it, do they not, is, is it for their narrative? Absolutely. So, so I didn't realize this until after the fact, uh, but they already had the lineup. So the media wants the lineup and the, the video. Like if you pre-record, they want the lineup and the pre-recorded videos within two hours of actually airing it. So they knew exactly when I was going to go on. So they knew exactly where to put the commercial break. And so, you know, had I been one of the people there that was live, it might have gone a little differently. But because it was pre-recorded, they could cut it. And so it was just kind of like, wow, you know, and, and so and then I was mad kind of a little bit at the RNC again. I'm like, come on, you guys do this. I didn't know this because I don't know how this works, right? This is my first time doing this, but they knew this. And they still gave me the recorded slot. And, uh, you know, I, I've been in media for, uh, you know, not a long time, but enough time to know that I can speak live, right? I do it What did they the not want to show? A black female Republican speaking? I yeah. would think so. I mean, our our video for RNC convention, I, I thought it was pretty powerful in the fact that we continued to call the Democrats out, right? And so for me, of course, CNN and Rachel Maddow was on at that moment. 
Um, as soon as I came on, she immediately was like, and okay. And then she put me like, you know how they have the little box in the corner? Mm-hmm. And then she goes, and we're going we're gonna to go to commercial. Like, it was so quick where it was like there was no lead-in, there was no nothing. And so you knew, they just knew that they wanted to cut this part out. Yeah, same thing's That's happened crazy. to me. Yeah. Um, there have been shows that I've done, and um, obviously I'm an African-American professional wrestling ring announcer. And when I've been watching those shows at home, maybe with my folks, my friends, and my part's about to come on, the same promoter who booked me, well, maybe the production guy didn't really agree with, you know, my feature. So I'll be like, all right, here I come. And then, like, the music will swell, and they'll go to something. And I'm like, well, why the heck did they even have me there unless it was really to just try to embarrass me? Yeah. Um, and be like, you know, oh, yeah, well, we don't have time for that. And, you know, <laughs> we're going to the next thing. So, again, yeah, totally empathize with that type of treatment. And it's just such a precarious, like, way to be feeling because, you know, you were invited yeah. uh, to do this. So, and the same people are kind of, uh, like you said, cutting you off at the knees. Right. Yeah. I will tell you this much, though. There have been a lot of a lot of notable figures that have spoken at the DNC and the RNC, and a lot of the times, once you get that spot, that platform, it is for you know a sign of future success. Yeah. So, right. who knows? Maybe in uh, <laughs> a few more years, it'll be running on the Democratic ticket, The Rock. Okay, which right. there have been murmurs about, yeah. and the Republican national uh, candidate. Kim Clasic, you never know. What do yeah. you see coming, you know, from all of this that, you know, has really just catapulted you into making you a household name? People outside of Baltimore know your name now. What's next? Yeah, I mean, so I, like I said earlier, I started a pack called Red Renaissance, and we're already raising money, uh, supporting candidates that are running in 2022. They've already announced, um, and they're in, you know, urban areas where it's not ruby red, right? Some of it's blue, some of it's purple. Um, but we think that they're great energized candidates that, you know, are working hard and out there every single day. And we know they're not going to get support from the RNC. So that's why we're, we're you know, helping them as much as possible. Um, our redistricting in Maryland happens in September, right? So we'll figure out, I guess, how that works out. Um, you know, the way it is, I think some people are saying we could end up with another district, um, which would, you know, encompass more of the western Maryland area. Um, so, you know, we'll see how the layout is. Obviously, Maryland District 7 is, is a plus 30D, right? And so it is it is tough, and it's not going to be, uh, you know, that much less, you know, going up after September. Um, so it's like, you know, we have to make a decision. Do we continue in District 7 and continue just chipping away? Um, or, you know, do we look at a different district, or do we look at statewide? You know, Chris Van Hollen comes up in 22, uh, we get people running those numbers right now as well. Uh, you know, you do better as a Republican when you run statewide. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Of course, we get the phone calls saying, you know, come to Pennsylvania, come to Florida, come to Georgia. It'll be easy. It's a cakewalk. And it's like, well, you know, I, I, I did this because I wanted to make a change in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You know, anybody could just mm-hmm. go move and, and, and do it, you know, where it's easy. You mm-hmm. know, but this was a race that I chose because not just because it's hard, but because the people here need real change, mm-hmm. you know, or it's just going to continue to get worse. So um, I think, you know, where we're going to stay is definitely in Maryland. You know, if I could get in that Senate seat, I could still help West Baltimore from that part. You know, a lot of people say, we'll move in the city and do mayor or city council. And it's like, you know, there's no one in that either. You know what I mean? And so we got to get in there and, and do the best we can. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it's sky's the limit is at, at this point, right? I, I have my daughter. I'm, I'm very happy. Got a four-year-old. Um, and she's kind of rolling, you know, with the punches here. And, and at, you know, at this point, I think we've been out there so much. I know it sounds weird, but I'm, I'm now running just so unafraid. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, there's nothing you can say to me or do to me to make me not want to continue forward. And so I'm, you know, when I talk to people about running for office, you know, that might be thinking about it, they'll be like, oh, well, then they'll attack my family. They'll do this. Right. They'll do that. And I'm like, you know, you got to get past that. You've been you know? through that. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like here, you know, give me your best shot because I'm not backing down. So I was, <clears throat> I was kind of just numb to politics for a long time. But um, one of the things that made me start paying attention back in 2016 was Towards the end of the election cycle, I was kind of half paying attention because Donald Trump had been involved in WWE. He was a WWE Hall of Famer. He had done stuff. Him and the McMahons were good friends. And um, when it got closer, you, everybody remembers the, you know, grab him by the, oh, grab sure. him by the kitty cat story, yeah. you know, that broke. And from all of a sudden what changed, I was like a month out. And everybody was like, this is going to be the biggest blowout. But to me, what I started seeing was all of a sudden he like doubled his rallies. He was doing like four or fives a day. But what really stuck out was all the catchphrases. Like to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden he became a pro wrestler. Like the the rock, if you smell what the rock is cooking and Brett the Hitman Hart, the best there is, the best there was. He had his catchphrases. And I started seeing you know, in the weeks leading up to it, and when everybody's just kind of laughing at him, I'm like, man, this guy is drawing thousands of people. He's coming out. He's hitting build the wall. He was doing what pro wrestlers do to become megastars. They they get their catchphrases. They come out and repeat them. They repeat them so much that the people start repeating yeah. them. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, was, and that's the bottom line. And the whole building would say, right. manipulating their audience so. is something that they have down pat. And, that's and, exactly and I was, was like, this guy is going to win mm -hmm. the presidency. And everybody, I tell people and they're like, no. And I'm like, no, look, I'm, I've been a promoter for 25 years. There's 20,000 people showing up four times a day and they'll, they're chanting, you know. And um, to me, I was like, that's when I realized, like, this guy is. He's become a pro wrestler, so um, maybe you could come up with some catchphrases. I mean, that's why I said, you know, no, that hey, milestone uh, right. of speaking at the Republican National right. Convention, Barack Obama is who I'm thinking about, yeah. who had that moment at the Democratic National Convention, and it was after that that folks were like, oh, he's, he's going to go, because it was the presentation and the delivery. Right. Um, unfortunately, they kind of, you know, depending on if it was... CNN or MSNBC covering it silenced you, but you never know because that's what what really drives a lot of our industry and politics is a good right. clash. We need so we need the pro wrestling community to maybe help you come up with some catchphrases. <laughs> yeah. Well, this <laughs> is a great start. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. a guest on a pro wrestling podcast, so yeah. yeah, no, that'd be great. I mean, the, when we did talk to people in the neighborhoods about Trump, they all knew when he said, "What do you have to lose?" That was his big thing, you know, that he said to the black community. So maybe that is a piece. I, I need a catchphrase. Yeah, you need phrase. a we need we need, <laughs> the, we need some pro wrestling fans to come up with a couple catchphrases. So if phrases. you have some, send it to, right. you know, send them yeah. in or ask, them. hashtag ask MCWCast. Let That's us know. We Indeed. We need to get some, some pro wrestling catchphrases for you. That's right. Just like the, the governor, you know. The, I, felt like, I felt like I started seeing that with Hogan 
with the wear the damn mask. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden everybody starts saying it's in a t-shirt. That's It's on that's the, the overhead it passes when you're uh, driving down the highway. They have it up on the digital boards. He, did, he, did, he turned it into a t-shirt, didn't he? I'm not sure about a t-shirt, but I do know that I've seen it when I've been driving, uh, the, you know, the expressway in Baltimore. Yeah, I've been on 95 and seen yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. So. He actually tried to run it into the ground, but then he, he he did another one. We need more damn vaccines. Oh, yeah. But that too one didn't much. take off. Yeah, too much. Too much. Yeah, too much. Too but, much. Um, Less is better. Indeed. <laughs> Less is better. Indeed. So. Well, with that said, yeah, Kim... We Lisa, really appreciate you. you coming in, really. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun and totally different than any other interview. I've never talked about wrestling, so How many I've other interviews have you done with championship belts on the wall? Never. Like that, yeah. so. Never. I came in and was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> now you're going to go home and watch wrestling with your daughter. <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, well, I will, we have I to get you to a show. We'll have to yes. at least get you to a show. That would be better, back. I think. I want to see it live. I want to see it. To dispel the stereotype that professional wrestling appeals to 18 to 34 year old males I grew up watching wrestling since the time I was a little kid yeah, and we had a, a ton of females and girls like we do the birthday parties and so forth and oh, we do cool. girl parties all the time and they are so enthusiastic and they are ready to get in there with all the guys so, so yeah, um, maybe we'll, we'll have to get a you out to a show so, <laughs> as soon as we get the thumbs up from the Maryland State Athletic Commission um, well, we can schedule a date. We'll let you know. Yep. Sounds and I'm also going to let you know about our numbers after we get this, this, uh, once it goes out, because I, I'm a man of my word. I think we're really going to get a lot of coverage on this one just because we have a non-wrestling personality, the first, right. uh, joining us, you know, even mm -hmm. Johnny was a wrestler, you know, so I'm looking forward to it. And you know what else I'm looking forward to? I know. One of my favorite parts of the MCW cast, week in and week out, I'm talking about GM of MCW Pro, Phil Stamper. Filling us in with the Indie Roundup. Let's go to it. Hey everybody, my name is Phil Stamper, back with another edition of the Independent Wrestling Roundup. So glad to be with you this week. Fortunately, this week has been less eventful as last week was. Uh, and for all you, you know, beginning broadcasters out there, Remember to always do a sound check. Yeah, this is like the third time I've recorded this because my microphone wasn't working and I didn't know until I listened back to it. Awesome times. Uh, so glad to be with you. Let's go ahead and jump right into events that you can check out this week over at independentwrestling.tv, otherwise known IWTV.live, or through their app available on iOS and Android devices, IWTV. Brand new event this week from Creator Pro. Today, a brand new episode of New South Pro Wrestling's Action Clash. Tomorrow, Episodes from Limitless's The Road and Paradigm Pro's No Hook tomorrow, or excuse me, on Thursday, Beyond Wrestling Signature Series and a full event from Deathmatch Down Under. And then on Friday, a full event from Limitless Wrestling and on Saturday, Hardcore Hustle Organization, otherwise known as H2O. And on Independent Wrestling's Facebook page this coming Saturday at 6 p.m., that's facebook.com slash independent wrestling. Check out Camp Leapfrog making its live return, streaming live at 6 p.m. this coming Saturday at facebook.com slash independent wrestling. Then over on Fight TV, already this week, brand new events from Noah and an episode of Ring of Honor on Wednesday. An event from WrestleBration on Saturday from Pro Wrestling Magic and on Sunday from Back for the Attack. Live action also taking place this coming Wednesday out of Des Moines, Iowa from Impact Pro Wrestling, streaming live on their Facebook page at 7 o'clock. You can also check out this Thursday at 9 p.m. 
if you go to facebook.com slash psphenom, you'll be able to watch a cinematic match that I was helped, uh, that I helped put together between Kaiju Big Battles, Dr. Cube, and Wrestling's Tim Donst. It's going to be a little goofy. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be so much fun. Facebook.com slash psphenom on Thursday at 9 p.m. Go ahead and check it out. Also action this Thursday out of Georgia, WWA4 out of Rhode Island, Extreme Wrestling Alliance out of Tennessee, 127 Pro Wrestling out of Texas, Lucha de Gigantes and Reality of Wrestling. Then on Friday out of Alabama, Josh Storm's Birthday Bash out of Michigan, Mr. Chainsaw Pro Wrestling out of New Jersey, East Coast Pro Wrestling and out of Tennessee, Resolute Wrestling, Southern Wrestling Federation, and then out of Texas, Knucklehead Championship Wrestling, Renegade Wrestling Revolution, and Texoma Pro, and out of West Virginia this Friday, Pro Wrestling Conquest. Then on Saturday, out of Alabama, Alabama Wrestling Federation, Pro South Wrestling, and Victory Championship Wrestling. Out of Arkansas, Revolutionary Wrestling Entertainment, out of California, Fist Combat, out of Florida, Le Legacy Classic Championship Wrestling, out of Georgia, Intense Wrestling Entertainment and Renegade Championship Wrestling, out of Indiana, Pro Wrestling King, out of Maine, 3W Wrestling, out of Michigan, Total Chaos Wrestling, out of Nebraska, Magnum Pro, out of New Jersey, Hardcore Hustle Organization, out of North Carolina, American Lucha Wrestling, out of South Carolina, Premier Wrestling Experience, out of Tennessee, Coastal Championship Wrestling, Tennessee All-Pro Wrestling, and Tennessee Wrestling Alliance. Then out of Texas this coming Saturday, Advanced Pro Wrestling, Fearless Pro Wrestling, Metroplex Mission Pro Wrestling, and SWE Fury. Then out of Wisconsin this Saturday, Frontline Pro. And on Sunday out of North Carolina, Firestar Pro Wrestling, out of Tennessee, Flawless Wrestling, and School of Morton. As always, streaming on their Facebook page at 5.05 p.m. every single Sunday, headed by WWE Hall of Famer Ricky Morton. Check them out. School of Morton. That's all of the events that I know of this coming week. I am tracking events a little further out, of course. I am tracking events that are, that are already uh, announced to be taking place during WrestleMania weekend. So I've been putting that out there. Um, if you want more information, go check that out. Again, facebook.com slash PSVM, where I hope to see you this coming Thursday when I bring you a brand new cinematic match. Cinematic? There's a word. Cinematic match uh, between Kaiju Big Battles, Dr. Cube, and Wrestling's Tim Dunst. Also, check me out this coming Saturday. I will be at Camp Leapfrog, so check that out again. 6 p.m. at facebook.com slash independentwrestling over uh, this coming Saturday at 6 p.m. Very excited to see you all this week, and I hope to talk to you very, very soon. And remember, you can always trust in Phil. And there you have it once again for the ninth time. GM Phil Stamper filling us in. Thanks, Phil. Uh, a lot of interesting things percolating in the world of independent pro wrestling. That uh, always is with Phil. Oh, yeah, because he gets around. He and I, we both, we, we make our rounds. We both get around. Is Indeed, that what you're trying do. to say? Indeed, <laughs> we do. It happened for years now. We're looking forward to bringing Phil in here in person sometime soon and getting his take on not just the upcoming indie events, but his take on wrestling because, as you mentioned, he's been around for a minute, too. Well, that was a little different with Kim, huh? A little different for our fans. Yeah. You know, a little different from all the wrestling guests, but um, I enjoyed it I, and uh, appreciate again her coming in. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see our fans prove her wrong and make sure that this is one of the most watched episodes of, of all of our episodes thus far. She kind of was a little trepidatious in believing that, you know, we were really going to have a lot of viewers with someone that isn't involved in wrestling, but... I know that the MCW faithful is just like you said, not a Neanderthal bunch. We can see it in the comments each and every week. 
So I expect a lot of folks to like this, share it, comment on it, and maybe it's a cause for us to have more. Right, uh, outside of outside of professional. Indeed, wrestling. we're not just we're not just made of wrestling through and through. Even though this is the MCW cast, and who knows? Hey, maybe maybe with her on now, and maybe with the connection, maybe we could uh, have a WWE Hall of Famer, former president on. You never know. That would make Sarah so happy. You never know. I think I'm sick. <laughs> right, cool. right. So, what's well, a lot's been going on this last week in pro wrestling? I guess a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, well, I want to touch on one thing. The last time Phil, uh, but not this past roundup, but the last indie roundup, he talked about um, some pretty unfortunate things that had happened in the wrestling community. Uh, a couple shows were unceremoniously canceled. Um, a couple. Organizations all over were canceled, but one of those organizations I want to call out right now, Violence and Suffering, okay? Now, the last indie roundup, Phil said, Violence and Suffering, after a bunch of hullabaloo and negative press, were taking themselves off of the Fight TV collective of wrestling shows for Tampa in the first week of April, and they've had a change of heart. They've had a change of heart from uh, being influenced by a lot of fans who said, we don't want to see you guys go away, we don't care about all that chatter on online we want to see this show so they decided to go ahead and go on with the show first match they announced leo rush mcw rage tv champion against the legendary loki that will be happening on april the 9th in orlando i'm sorry tampa uh at midnight violence and suffering so all of our viewers out there our listeners if you want to support our very first guest in one of his endeavors this april violence and suffering April the 9th, Leo Rush versus Low-Key, I would imagine it's the main event. Yeah, so, that, sounds, that sounds great. So did I see, um, <clears throat> did WWE, are they are they doing a different event every night? Did they spread out? Is that what they're doing now? It is exactly what they're doing. There is a full week of WWE shows in the Tampa area. So that's probably to... Absolutely. Absolutely. To try to. to Absolutely. Independent shows. Yeah. You know? It starts with Raw, right? It starts with Raw on Monday, and then they roll into Tuesday. I don't know if it's NXT. I I don't really know their schedule. I think, like, Hall of Fame is Tuesday night. Oh, it's just a a week full of festivities. A week on Tampa. Are these festivities at full capacity now? Uh, It's so hard to keep up with what state is doing what. Are there still capacity restrictions down there? Well, it's Florida, which is where the Super Bowl was, you know? But it is, but that even the stadium, what's that stadium seat? Did I hear like twenty or 25,000 people I, they're allowing? Uh, so I believe the Super Bowl was allowed 35, and Vince McMahon has already gone on record saying we can get 45 in there. Oh, or, has he really? Yes, he has. Have so, they put tickets on sale yet? I believe the tickets go no, on sale Monday. Yeah, Monday. Uh, uh, but well, you have to buy pods, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah you have Which to... is a really interesting thing, and I'm wondering if it's something we can... What do you mean? Like groups of tickets? or? Yeah. You, what is it? Eight or four, isn't it, Larry? Yeah, I believe so. I believe, I believe so. So it's pods of like eight or four. Yeah. So you buy your seats in a... Which is great, because if you're so just two people traveling... Right. Yeah, yeah you would so. have your own little protected pod. You know, it, it's like when you go to a, a bull roast or something, and you only have four people but you don't you really want to, right. you get a whole table anyway because you don't really want to sit that close to other people. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's just me. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, yeah. yeah, so that's what they're doing. They're doing pods. And so I've been seeing a lot of um, communicating online. People are 
which defeats the purpose of a pod, but they're, um, you know, hey, I'm going, do you want to be a pod together? Do you want to do this? And that kind of defeats the purpose of having a pod. But, you know, uh, maybe that would, that could be something we could do where we sell a block, uh, you know, a square of seats or something like that. We're going to have to take those things into consideration. Yeah, it would be kind of neat. Yeah, I guess, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, but that's interesting. Absolutely. It really is. Uh, yeah, so uh, a lot going on. We're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to that first week of April. WWE, WWE has all cylinders firing, um, and I'll be down there. Phil will be down there. Leo will be down there, and yeah, it's going to be a, a great time. We're all going to be as safe as safe can be and make it back to our, our loved ones in one piece. And Well, it's one thing. I, I, I didn't watch WrestleMania last year. I was so discouraged with everything being shut down and there being no fans and I didn't feel like I could watch it. Um, but I've kind of started what I'm paying attention to what I, I really like. One of the things that's got me interested is this push that Bobby Lashley's getting. Like I love the, him just squashing Miz and crushing him. I mean, I'm really, they got me interested. I'm interested in Bobby last Bobby Lashley. I'm interested in the hurt business. Um, and I'm really hoping they they get Brock back and do a swerve, but they haven't announced his opponent yet, have they? Uh, they they haven't point. announced his opponent, and uh, I got to tell you the general consensus. It's 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 weird too because I don't want to I want to see Brock versus Bobby as soon as possible while they still can go. Right. But the general consensus amongst a lot of wrestling fans are leave Brock out because you know he does what six appearances a year. Uh, I guess they fear he's just going to grab the belt and then go away with it. And then no, well, I, I would from a I would think that the the good business decision would be Bobby beating. Brock. Right, that's what I was going to say. That well, that, but that, that that is the good decision. They fear that the decision makers in the WWE oh, aren't right. going to make the good decision. Oh. So they they fear that if Brock comes back, it's going to be you know claim that championship again from Bobby, and then you know well remember Brock took it from Kofi, so he could have. You know, kind yeah. of a, a track record of just dethroning all the African American champions, like the the real great white knight. Well, who would you like <clears throat> to see, Larry? I have a, a Bobby Lashley have a feud with or face. Who would you like to see? Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of who I want to see Lashley fight. It's it's no way it's going to happen. But I actually would like to see him fight uh, uh, Brian Danielson from SmackDown because mm. you know. My thing was, uh, he lost the belt to Kofi uh, at WrestleMania, but then I don't remember any pursuit for him wanting to become the champion again. And that's always, as a fan, I've always been like, wait a minute, you you lost the belt Kofi as well. Never batted an eye after losing the belt. Never wanted an obligatory rematch. That's that, those things in wrestling that have changed the last decade or so. Like, I feel like um, unfinished stories. Mm Mm-hmm. That you all that never used to be how it was. The right. former champion always went back after, at least for the, and that was always a big his, you know, mandatory rematch. Yep, close the loops. Clause, close the loops. Yeah, like open loops. Like they just leave so many open loops that I feel like they think don't matter to wrestling fans, but I believe they do. I I agree a hundred percent on on the Lashley Lesnar. My thing is, I, Lashley's been pushing for the Lesnar match for a couple years, <laughs> right? And I, I just felt like I feel like I think like everything's like the water's boiling now. Like it's even a year ago, he was in that thing with Rusev and it's like, well, you're kind of making him like a cheese ball. Mm -hmm. 
to do Lashley, Lashley versus Lesnar last year, I don't think it would have meant anything like it would now. I feel like now, I feel like Lashley's white hot. And to bring it now, I feel like it could actually draw money. In other words, it could be a money draw match. Where I don't know if a year ago it really would have been. I don't know if people would have cared. He would have been coming out off that thing with the terrible thing with um, Rusev. Yeah. You know, for that went on for, you know, eight months too long. Oh, yeah, when he was uh, Lana yeah, and him. Yeah, like, yeah that... it was like, I don't know. I just feel like now would be the time to do that match and, you know, elevate Bobby mm-hmm. with well, it, you know. I'll tell you, I'm not a promoter, but I've always put my promoter's cap on and just fantasy booked. What I would do is I'd started in WWE, and then I'd slowly have that, that fight spill right over into UFC. Because honestly, that's what I really want. I know that Bobby Lashley has a background in MMA. We know Brock Lesnar was a former UFC champion. Yeah. Okay? So remember a couple of years back at the Royal Rumble, there was a triple threat match between Strowman, Kane, and Brock. And I guess Strowman kind of was really excited, and you kind of saw Brock handle him and yeah. tell him, slow the F down. You know, yeah. it's audible. You can see it, and he handles that big, what happens if that, I want to see Brock Lesnar try and handle Bobby Lashley, is what, is what I'm saying, the, right. the, the kind of fight fan that I am. I want to see you punk Bobby Lashley and tell him to slow the F down, and how would he react to that? Because I remember Braun kind of was like, okay, I better, I better not make this one mad, you know, but... I, I, I mean, that kind of thing percolates in my, my fandom. It's like, oh, yeah, you could take that big guy down and, you know, handle him. But what happened if you tried that with, with Bobby, who also has some MMA background? Right. You know? Right. Interesting. So that's what I would do. But, uh, yeah, it's an exciting, exciting time in the wild and woolly world of pro wrestling. A lot of buzz with um, AEW. Uh, the exploding. Not a lot of fire, though. No, no. <laughs> what you did there. A lot of smoke. A lot yeah. of smoke, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of smoke. A lot of smoke. You know, I feel bad for both of them. Both of them have, you know, said I feel, things yeah. after the fact, you know, that obviously there was disappointment, you know. Um, it was practiced multiple times and everything went off without a hitch, you know. I, don't, I cringed, you know, at the end when I saw that. I was like, ooh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was tough. Stop selling, as a please promoter, stop. <laughs> as a promoter. Um, man, because you can't, I, some things like that I think are so... They're so difficult to do because if it goes if it goes too good, it could go bad in the other direction. You know what right. I mean? One, yeah. of, one of the performers getting hurt, right? Or right. Worse, you know, if an explosion, it's just a really difficult thing to do. I think when you start getting things like that involved, it's really difficult. Can I ask you both? Have you ever had a moment in the ring where you were waiting for something that you knew was supposed to happen? But because of a technical malfunction, whatever that was, whether it be the lights coming back up for a surprise or something, or whatever it was, it didn't go off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. And you were like kind of standing there like, uh, what do we do now? Oh, it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know so I mean? that's, I, I think we all can empathize with mm-hmm. that. And that's why I felt so, my heart really went out to Moxley and, and Kingston when they were just... Trying to go with the flow of what it was that they were doing, and and from a business standpoint, I heard that it was like the um, it was a wildly successful event. Um, I, I was reading like the the biggest grossing pay per view, like non WrestleMania pay per view, in like fifteen years or twenty years or something. Oh, it was wow. a you know, well, it was critically panned by most of the other you know podcasters out there. I'm talking Meltzer and Alvarez and Cornette. 
you know, yeah. just those guys, sometimes it's hard to please them or they right. have such a mm-hmm. high standard. I was entertained by it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's sad that they put themselves out there and gave it 110%. And what we're talking about, not we necessarily, but, you know, what people are talking about is, you know, the lack of explosion at the end. And it's it's discouraging because, you know, that, that was, they put a lot into it, you know? I'll tell you this much, probably the most poignant tweet that came out immediately after that main event was mm-hmm. Bully Ray. And he said, mm-hmm. I saw that. a wise man once said, they're only going to remember the finish, kid. Mm-hmm. And he put, you know, Bill Dashmark, Vincent McMahon. Right. And that's, that, yeah. that is it. Because yeah. Omega and Moxley worked their butts yep. off in that match. Right. Yep. And the other explosions leading up to the final were actually yeah. masterfully done when yep. they would do the Irish whip into timed yeah, everything. Just it was like great. big reaction from the crowd. Yep. But you can't build, 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 and then. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. it's more poignant. And I thought it was interesting too that they, after the fact, they've gone and pulled all that down off of um, uh, you know social media and YouTube and so forth. And they've always been pretty fan friendly, and that they let fans post their um, you know videos and stuff of the events. And mm-hmm. they've been pulling it all down, citing like the copyright thing. And I thought I that was interesting. Of, I, I that saw. I think that like that damage control. Damage control, but I felt like that popped up more like backlash over it in other words like emphasize i don't know i think in in just in this like political world in this world we live in it feels like something there's always a new topic tomorrow like in other words you just got to weather the storm for a day or two what do we what do we fake care about today Right. Well, the, the reality of it is, if enough time goes by, you're going to forget about it. So, like, I get their reasoning behind it. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of consistency. So, like, I like it when things are apl- rules are applied consistently across the board. And, you know, this is obviously a case where it's not. But in their own business interest, I see why they did it. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get it down and get people to stop talking about it. You know? How, how do we do that? We let them stop seeing it. You know? So, yeah. it makes sense. But, yeah. Well, you know. They'll, they'll recover from that. Yep, yeah, absolutely. That. Any other hot topics we want to cover on episode nine? Um, we have any any Ask MCWs? I'm not sure. Ask Ask the MCW cast. Did we, we have anyone that jumped on that hashtag and have a burning question for us to ponder, chew over? We have a couple of them. Actually, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm saving some of them because okay. I've got a running thread here. And um, I had mentioned this earlier in the show, but... Um, we want to hear who you want to see at MCW. So some of the Ask MCW cast questions that have been coming in have been along that vein. So I'm actually saving a collection of them. And so as we start moving closer to shows, I want to start bringing voices to those and, you know. All right. Well, then with that, you're going to have to just stay tuned until uh, we get to that, that list of questions. Um, but don't you stop asking us. We want right. to hear from you. Yeah, and we'll be uh, back. We're in the double digits next week, right? Celebration, our 10th anniversary. Well, you know what I mean. You yeah. know, our 10th show. So, 10. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be exciting. An exciting time for all three of us to be embarking on our episode number 10, Tuesday at 8. We'll see you all then for another exciting edition of the MCW Cast.